Welcome everyone to the Nick's Infinite Playlist Podcast, a show where we talk, always talk about something because something is always on. I'm your host, Nick Hogan. With me this week is a very special guest, my baby brother, Josh Hogan, or as I call him, Joshy. Joshy, introduce yourself to the people. Um, hello, the people. My name is Josh Hogan. Um, I like romantic long walks on the beach and poetry. Uh, I'm a stand-up comedian. So currently I'm uh, working on my first um, stand-up show, complete stand-up show. That's something I'm doing on my own. Um, other than that, I love all things comedic, all things um, entertainment, all things creation. So um, I'm glad to be here with my big brother. Great. Thanks, Josh, for coming on. Uh, so first up, uh, I want to do some current topic talk and I won't get too deep into Avengers because I know that uh, lots of my other guests are going to want to talk Avengers, but uh, I did want to mention briefly that Avengers Endgame is on track to pass Avatar as the highest grossing film of all time. Josh, what do you think? Well, uh, I mean, it makes sense. Um, just based, <laughs> based on pretty much everything that we know about Avengers and everything that we know about that universe, um, I, I like I, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand why Avatar is like the bar. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, like you'd think that would be like Star Wars Episode Seven or Star Wars Episode Three or you know something where like there's lots of pretense to it, and and so I just think you know it's like of course it's going to be Avengers, you know. Right, absolutely. Uh, I expected that it would be big, but uh, so far, lots of movies that I've expected to be big haven't been able to pass Avatar. So it's just, you know, we're finally getting over that hump. You know, there was Deathly Hallows Part 2, there was Star Wars Episode 7, there was Avengers Infinity War. All of those came pretty close. Um, and Avatar is only the bar because people are simpletons obsessed with uh you know, shiny graphics, uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. yeah the, I mean, the movies don't hold up well at all, but you know, I expected it to be big, but I think, you know, finally we've gotten something big enough that reaches enough of a diverse audience to crush avatar at the box office. And I'm so here for it. Of course, it's only going to last so long until toy story four airs and then that's going to be the highest grossing right well i guess aladdin just came out so uh, all bets are off now yeah but um either way i'm glad to see avengers endgame doing well and i'm glad to see that avatar is going to get knocked off because i that's a very overrated film <laughs> so um based on each guest on the Vix infinite playlist podcast we choose a current topic uh, and recently, we just finished up May Sweeps, uh, which is a TV term that I won't really get into right now. But at the end of May Sweeps, that means a lot of shows are ending. And so Superstore season four finale just just aired. Uh, Josh, what are your thoughts on the Superstore finale? Um, so this is like one of my favorite things about TV in general, and especially comedic television, is that it goes from like absolutely like 100% the most ridiculous, most weird and quirky comedy and making you laugh out loud and just like goes right to zero. It's gut wrenching. It's, um, 
it makes you feel something that's like so real and like the like everything about comedy is that it could all like be real like everyone relates to it everyone feels something and that's why it's funny and that's why we enjoy you know laughing that's why we enjoy comedy and and comedic television and then and on the on that same spectrum there's the okay there's this reality sets in and it's like okay on in the same reality we have humor and we have laughing we have stuff that's like really kind of messed up and really kind of like you know these are people we know and these are you know real things that happen every day and it, it just shows like it shows like a union and it shows r relationships between real real people and doing real things on a daily basis and I, I think especially with superstore it's one of those things where like you know people who have worked in retail are like this is stuff that happens to us like this stuff is ridiculous but it's it's true and um so so i think the finale was like a really good job of taking a show that's obviously like make supposed to make you super uncomfortable and then just like almost like you know bottles up everything and then releases it in like a oh my god kind of way right yeah i agree uh, one of my favorite things about superstore is that for anyone who's not worked in retail, you should know that the stuff that happens on Superstore seems exaggerated and seems far-fetched, but it's really not. You see that kind of stuff all the time. Even those crazy little cutscenes where uh, the guy just finishes his drink and then drops it into the display. You'd be shocked at how much that really happens. Um, so you're absolutely right. And it's just, I think Superstore in particular does a really good job of just capturing real world people you know there's there's a really diverse cast and as a di really diverse country um superstore is kind of a reflection of our society and so they'd be remiss if they didn't tackle real world issues um so the first kind of topic that i want to touch on in terms of real world issues uh so in the season four finale i guess they aired it as a two-parter. So there's really two episodes there. And the first part is when uh, Amy and Jonah are tweeting negative things about the store to try to get some of their employees hours back because they keep having to cut hours. So they do. And then Sandra ends up taking the fall for it. But then while they're in the midst of that, they create a, a union basically, or they threaten to unionize. And so Cloud9 specifically tries to crush them. Um, and Sandra, as soon as Sandra started talking about a union, they unfired her, even though she didn't do anything wrong in the first place. And they tried to squash all the talk about a union. And so do you have any thoughts on that, Josh? Do you, what do you think about that? Um, I mean, one of the things about the that is the union thing was that you know, it, I don't remember if it was season one or season two where Jonah was like invested in starting a union, like trying to get that going. And like, try, like everyone was like, like, you're just all talk. You don't know anything really. Like what, like kind of just blew him off. And then now he's like, really, you know, this is kind of what he wanted to begin with and kind of for the same type of reason. 
Like he was like, if you would have listened to me earlier, like this problem would have been prevented. But now he has to say, we can't unionize or everyone's just going to not have a job because they're just going to, you know, take away the store. Mm -hmm. And so he's kind of like, okay, what I really want is a union, but now is not the time. And even though this is the most like headway we've gotten ever. Right. um, So. Yeah, that's, um, it really is kind of a gut punch for Jonah too, because he's, he's caught between a rock and a hard place. He wants to support Amy and he wants Amy to keep her job. And to do that, they need to save the store. And all of that's going to go away if they unionize, basically. So then Jonah finds himself fighting against a union, even though he's all for it, 100%. But then they're at, they're at their meeting and Jonah's kind of trying to, to naysay them. And ultimately, it works. He convinces them that there's the grass is not greener on the other side. And he just feels awful about it. And so um, I kind of thought that they might go to an interesting conflict between Jonah and Amy about that. But I'll get to that in a minute. But I also really like their use of of just Sandra in general. <laughs> Sandra really makes me laugh because she's such a loose cannon. Uh, and you just never know what to expect from her. And she had a big finale episode too because she gets engaged to her secret boyfriend, Jerry, after losing him in the coin toss at the end of last year. Um, <laughs> but so I think that Sandra kind of being the face of the union just because she likes the attention is really funny too because Jonah's obviously the only one who really knows anything about it. But they they let Sandra take the fall for them. And so Sandra becomes the face of this union, even though she has no clue why anybody's paying attention to her. I think one of the funny things about Sandra too, is like you kind of develop these characters when you're writing that are just supposed to be just punching bags of like, they've really not done anything. They've not, they're, you know, they're just like normal human beings, but like, you know, you go back to like The Office with Toby Flinderson or Parks and Rec with Jerry Gergich. And it's just like, these people are people, but you write them into the show just to make fun of them. Just because, you know, everyone hates them for no reason in particular. And and I think the funniest thing about that is like, there's people like that in real life that you just kind of hate for no reason. And, and so like, I, I like feel for Sandra because like, she's like based probably based on somebody that's a real person. Um, but yeah, like you said, a loose cannon. And so along with that, along with everyone just being like, Sandra, no one likes you. She's like, well, look at me now I'm in charge of you. Like, you know, let's run this place in the ground. Let's burn this mother down, you know, kind of a deal. (laughs) Right. Uh, I think, I think Sandra is more of a Jerry than a Toby because Toby ended up with a really sad life and Jerry at least had a good one, you know? And so one of the things I thought was funny about Sandra is that Dina is the worst one about just beating up on Sandra all the time. She's always on to Sandra and just taking out her aggression on Sandra. But then Dina walks in on Sandra hooking up with Jerry, um, you know, when Jerry's supposed to be dating Carol and Dina just closes the door never says a word about it. And so really Sandra is part of that family and and she's just, you know, they kind of, Oh, whatever, Sandra, she's looking for attention or whatever. But 
she's not uh she's not a punching bag in a bad way like maybe toby thunderson was yeah um so that's something else i really like about her and the good news about sandra is that even though she's been around this whole time after season four she was promoted to a series regular for season five so there's a lot of just like legality legal ease terms in there uh but all all that really means is that she's uh, paid like one of the stars of the show and she's probably going to be in more episodes as a result. Uh, if you go back and look, Sandra's around a lot, but she's not in every episode. But she probably will be, or at least in most of them, going forward. So uh, I'm really excited about that. Anything else you want to add about Sandra? Not in particular. <laughs> um, so I'm, I, I really, really enjoyed the whole Sandra and Carol subplot but like Carol freaking makes me mad. Like I hate Carol so much and she's just, she's just terrible and manipulative. So really in the finale, it was so good to see Jerry say, Hey, you want to get married uh, to Sandra now that they're out? Because it's just, you know, it shows the world that people like Carol are not good for the world. Yeah. Um, and that, that, you know, it's, it's a deliberate fight against the, the kind of person that Carol is. And I really appreciated that because sometimes shows just glorify those kind of characters and it, ugh, it makes me so mad. And, and along with that is like, I mean, I sound like a broken record, but like there are people like Carol mm-hmm. that are just not good people that they, you know, they gossip about other people. They take what they want and you know, rub it in other people's faces and, you know, like kick, kick them while they're down kind of a thing. And it's like, I'm sure, especially like you having worked in retail and like me and any other, like I'm not ever worked in retail, but I worked in jobs like it. So like people that you work with just like, okay, you drive me nuts because like, you're just not a good person. And so I'm sure it like really hits you in a real place because it's like, I I know a Carol and, and I hate her. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it definitely ignites some some long dormant. It's been at least uh, five years, six, seven years, actually, since I've worked any kind of retail. Um, but Carol definitely ignites some of those old feelings. And I hate it. So I'm so glad she got her comeuppance. Um, so I'm going to skip around on our outline a little bit, but I'm going to go next to Jonah and Amy. So for a while in this season, it seemed like they were going to be building toward a conflict between Jonah and Amy because Amy's name store manager. There's a huge pay discrepancy. And then, you know, um, she has to start cutting hours. So in order to keep everybody else at the hours that they normally have, she cuts all of Jonah's hours. And so then Jonah ends up agreeing to move in with her. And there's that whole thing. Um, and ultimately Jonah and Amy is, um, it's a complicated relationship and it's taken a lot of twists and turns, but it's they're a relationship that I root for because Ben Feldman and America Ferreira have so much chemistry. Um, they're just, it's just really easy to like them. And so, but I've been worried that they've been building toward a conflict and they kind of did that in season four finale where they, where Jonah wanted to support the union, but he also wanted to support Amy and he was kind of stuck in that rock and hard place situation. So, but what ended up happening is that Amy got upset at the way corporate was behaving and said, okay, let's start a union. 
So I guess my question is, do you think, do you agree that they, that kind of seemed like it was building toward a conflict? And if so, do you think that conflict is going to go away because of the way that corporate behaved? Do you think that Jonah and Amy are all in on the same side now, or is there still going to be friction going forward because of the pay and uh, hierarchy discrepancy? So, um, well, I mean, one of the things I really like about Superstore especially, and I've, I've kind of gone over this with the other characters as well, is that they kind of take your typical character arc or character relationship and, you know, kind of change it a little bit. And it's like, so with, with Amy and Jonah, it's a little different because there are a lot of TV shows where, you know, there are relationships that you cheer for and, you know, that you love that like continually fight and they continually, you know, yeah, do things that are unhealthy and kind of like the, the big, like introduction to comedy was miscommunication. Like couples had miscommunication all the time. They, you know, didn't understand what the other person really wanted. And so they did something ridiculous in order to fix it before they really understood Jerry, what it was. I love Lucy. Right. But the thing about Joan and Amy is that their relationship in particular is like pretty kind of healthy. Like they, you know, they do talk about their issues. They do make sacrifices for one another when she was like, I have to cut people's hours. Can I cut your hours? You can move in with me. There was, you know, problem, you know, proposed solution, fulfillment of the solution. And they've really just kind of like, they in particular work well together in, in, in a relationship sense and in like a, a work sense. Um, and that's like, that's something that Superstore does that like kind of is like, that's really good. Like that's a really good example of how a healthy relationship works. Um, I mean, I do think they were kind of gearing up for you to like, feel like there was going to be a conflict. I think they were like, especially, especially at the end with the union and it was going to be like, well, I believe in unions. Well, if you believe in a union, you know, you're going to get fired basically. And, and Jonah kind of felt like Amy was being selfish. Amy kind of felt like Jonah was being selfish. And, and the reality is like, they both kind of were, but kind of for good reasons. And uh, ultimately I think they worked it out, but um, I, I don't think, I think the funny thing is Amy being the manager doesn't bother Jonah at all. Um, I think, I think if he cared like about, you know, being higher up or, you know, being somebody that, you know, made more money or did something else that he would just do something else. Like, I think obviously he's incredibly intelligent. He's, you know, well poised. He's, um, knows a lot of things, obviously knows a lot about, you know, retail and unions and being a salesperson. So like, I think if he really wanted another job, he would just go get one. <laughs> so I think he doesn't really care, you know, that Amy's above him or that his hours are getting cut or, you know, that really it's not that great of a job. I think that he just is like, okay, I'm going to go and start a new life. And, you know, when things fall into place, things fall into place, you know, they feel right. And I think with him right now, they just kind of feel right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, I kind of felt like maybe they were building to our conflict for a while, but then um, the finale, and, and I think for the record, my prediction is that there, there really isn't going to be a conflict between Jonah and Amy, at least in the short term, because um, what they did in the finale essentially was remind us why Jonah and Amy are together in the first place. And it's because mm -hmm. they have a similar worldview. 
they uh, they both care about the people that they work with and they care about their job and they care about each other. Mm-hmm. And so um, Amy, you know, at the end of the season four finale, when she turns over to Jonah and says, let's start a union, um, that's her saying, we share these visions. You're right. Let's do this. And so I think that their conflict is probably finished because you're right. Jonah doesn't care that she's manager or above him in any way. Um, the only way that it would create a conflict between them is because they both, Amy wants to keep that job, but then there's the corporate pressure and Jonah is more of a man of the people, obviously. Mm-hmm. He's down on the ground floor with everybody else. And when Amy's starting to deal with the higher up stuff, that's where the conflict is created. But that, I think it, that's as far as it went. And it felt a little weird because I just felt like it was going to be a more traditional sitcom couples fight. Yeah. But it just never got to that. But I really, I like that because ultimately it just feels like they're reacting to their circumstances, honestly. Mm-hmm. And so they're saying, okay, so you get to this boiling point. What would Amy and Jonah do? And so then when Amy sees everything play out, then she says, this is wrong. And Jonah's right. Mm-hmm. And she just reacts to that honestly. And so that the best shows do stuff like that. It's where they don't just try to create drama for creating drama. They react to their circumstances honestly, and then move forward in the story. And Superstore did a really good job of that here. Mm-hmm. So last, I wanted to, I skipped ahead a little bit to the, to the Amy and Jonah thing. And then I'm going circling back now to Mateo. So um, obviously we're spoiling the season four finale here. So in their efforts to suppress the union at cloud nine Ozark Highlands, um, corporate sent ice, the immigration police to the store. And so the entire episode is the cloud nine employees banding together to try to get Mateo out of there who, you know, is undocumented and they try to get him out of there before ice can get him, but they're guarding the doors. Um, and they get there right as <laughs> Jeff. I love Jeff. Um, <laughs> Jeff calls and gets them warned, but it's just barely too late. And so there's this whole episode where they, they call in a bunch of favors and bring all their friends to the store to try to hide Mateo. And it just doesn't quite work. Like they get really close, but ultimately immigration gets Mateo. And so, first of all, what I liked about that is that everybody banded together. They even brought back Kelly, which I thought was really great. And she just talked that ice guy's ear off. Mm -hmm. That was a really great bit. Um, But then, so they get Mateo and they drag him off. And that's when Amy decides we're going to start this union. So Justin Spitzer, the creator, who's stepping down as showrunner, but still an executive producer, he says... The only answer really he really gave to this question is that Nico Santos is still going to be a regular on Superstore. So Nico Santos is not leaving the show. So first of all, what are your thoughts on the Mateo story? And second of all, where do they go from here? So, um, and this is kind of what I was talking about when I, when I said this is the show is like, so everything about it is so real and like, really you can connect any any character to any kind of realistic situation and and that's kind of like that's one of the things i just really love about the show but it like went from 100 to zero really fast because it was just like the end like we lost and it was almost kind of like 
like obviously not the same level, like kind of like in Avengers Infinity War, <laughs> when we lose, it just kind of it's just like we worked really hard. We all worked together. Everyone was doing their part. Everyone wanted this to happen. We wanted this to happen. The viewers wanted this to happen. And it just like this is how it had to be. Like this is this is the way it had to go for us to, you know, move on with this situation. Because realistically, you know, Mateo spent four years working in the same retail store undocumented and no one ever blinked an eye that he was an illegal immigrant. And and it's like the real the reality is like after four years, you know, it's likely that you're gonna get found out if you haven't done any work to amend that. And and I like, well, it, like it sucks. And I don't, I don't like, I love Mateo and he's probably one of the best characters on this show, if not on television in general. Mm-hmm. But like everything about this show is like, okay, what's go, what's real, what's reality here? Mm-hmm. What's the, what's the, you know, what are we playing? What are we playing with that makes, makes this show real? What, what do people relate to? And, and it just, it took, you know, something that was incredibly funny and like a bit that, you know, Mateo was undocumented. They make jokes about it. They like, and a lot of it's like really subtle jokes about it. And, and they even like the whole thing with Marcus, like, this is my secret. I live in the store. What's your secret? I'm an undocumented immigrant. Okay. If my secret comes out, I'll tell your secret. (laughs) And so like, that's obviously like a funny way to deal with that. But at the same time, it reaches the end of season four and you're like, Oh my gosh, that's not funny. Like, like that happens. That's this is a real person who we all love, who works really hard at his job, and who does things for good, for good reasons, and is you know, is friends with good people, and just you know, they're taking him away because because of the sole fact that they can. Um, and as far as like, where do they go from here? I mean, I think it's obvious that, you know, the union is something they want to, they want to create in order to, you know, fight for either Mateo's, you know, Mateo's job or their, their own job. Um, You know, and to be honest, I don't know much about what the immigration law is or what the, you know, penalty for being an illegal, illegal immigrant is, that is found out. Um, but obviously I think they do something that's pretty real and, you know, relates to what would really happen if, you know, somebody who was an illegal immigrant got taken away from, you know, their, their job or their store and, and they would bring that in into play. Um, so I'd, I like to see, and I obviously I'd like to see Mateo come back and um, I think, you know, it's really just kind of a wholesome idea. Like these are really, you know, really these are troubled people and they're funny and, you know, in some ways they seem terrible and, um, but they really do care for each other, even though they don't really have a whole lot in common other than their place of business. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, it's a really good response to have that, to elevate it to that level just to say, okay, this is a logical next step and what would happen to Mateo. Um, So what's really going to be interesting to me is how they justify having him on the show. You know, do they just do separate stories where he's dealing with things in ice custody or do they decide because he's from the Philippines, he's not worth prosecuting or deporting or um, does he get married to Jeff 
and get a green card. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of feel like maybe that that third thing might happen because I feel like they're just really itching to put Jeff back on the show on a regular basis, and they don't have a good way to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, because his, he's when he comes on in the corporate capacity, he's really funny. Um, but it's just they don't uh, have a good way to keep him on the show all the time. So I'm kind of wondering if maybe – you know, after Jeff finds out that Mateo is illegal and that's why they broke up, there might be some kind of effort to remedy that. Mm. Um, so that's kind of what I think is going to happen maybe, but it really was just, uh, <laughs> the whole finale was really funny and really well done. And then it just kind of, they caught him and you just get punched in the gut mm. with the way that he gets dragged off in the car uh, and then you get a tiny sliver of hope when Amy turns to Jonah and says, let's start a union. Um, so just management and floor workers coming together to say, no, you took Mateo away from us. This is wrong. Yeah. And uh, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how they do that and where they go. Um, but it's just, it's really good for multiple reasons. A, because it's hilarious and B, because, they really know how to tackle those issues without being preachy or over the top or anything like that. They're just really, they stay on the ground floor and they're real about it. Um, and, uh, and, and kind of what I think the writers did was like, okay, eventually, you know, we're going to have a, like, we're going to have a union. Like there's, this is what's going to, what's going to happen. And I think their question to each other was, okay, what does it take? What is it going to get? For, for this superstar, for Cloud9 to say, this is what we need. And I think that like, oh, oh, we have to go as far as, you know, Mateo getting arrested for being an illegal immigrant for this to happen. They're like, okay, then that's what we're gonna do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so the, the, I was, you know, I was actually pretty convinced until Spitzer said, Nico Santos is staying on the show. I was like, they're just gonna get rid of him. Yeah. Like they're going to, he's any, and Nico Santos, um, you know, he was in crazy rich Asians, which was a well-reviewed, really good. It did really well at the box office and was well-reviewed. Um, so part of me thought maybe Santos is just moving on. Maybe he's just, uh, you know, going on other projects because he can, and he's becoming a bigger name. Um, but that's apparently not the case. And he's just, uh, they're just using this story in a really creative way and they're reacting to it honestly. Mm-hmm. So as long as they continue to do so, I think they could probably come up with an answer that's still funny. Like he gets married to Jeff and then there's all of this. Yeah. Uh, he does it to get a green card. So there's still a lot of relationship crap that they have to work through or something like that. Uh, I mean, in theory he could do that with, you know, he could get married to on paper to Garrett or Dina or somebody else, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and all of that could could play a role in it. But I'm really just looking forward to it. I want to know what happens next, and I'm really sad that that was it for the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, did you have any other thoughts on Superstore in general, Superstore season four? Um, anything else you want to add? Um, no, I'm just excited to see where they go. Yeah. The only other thing I wanted to say was that I was, I mentioned that I was really excited that they brought Kelly back in the finale. Uh, I was also really excited that they brought 
Bo back in the finale. Oh yeah. <laughs> Bo is my absolute favorite superstar <laughs> character. Like he's barely in it, but I still all the time will just find opportunities to go bwah, bwah, and then make it rain um, because I love Bo so much. Uh, so any opportunity I get for mm-hmm. more Johnny Pemberton and more Bo, I'm absolutely for it. So Next up, our segment called Infinite Playlist is a way for us to tell the world what we're consuming, why, and how to get in on it. So, Josh, simple question for you. What are you loving right now? Um, so I'm kind of going to go back a few weeks because I haven't really watched much in the recent weeks. Um, but what I wanted to talk about is a show called On My Block, um, which is a Netflix original. And it's... Uh, the reason I the reason I love it is it's it's sort of like sort of like the you know the dark it like the dark um kind of side of comedy where like you sort of sort of like a Riverdale but less extreme um you know and it's about like teenage kids who like kind of get in over their heads like with with gangs and with you know relationships and you know obviously very real stuff um but the reason that I love this show is because of one character Jamal Turner and it's he's sort of like uh like Steve Urkel meets like Max Keeble <laughs> meets like um I don't like I don't know but he's he's just this really like incredibly weirdly goofy kid and he's and he's fixated on finding the roller world money, which is like this roll roller world was just like a, like a deal, I guess of like basically a ton of money that's buried somewhere in their town. And he is just like, he's absolutely fixated with finding this money. And so like all of his friends are like, you know, they're dealing with other issues. They're like, they're in high school. One of their friends is in the gang. One of their friends is, you know, in and lots of trouble and um and uh one of their friends you know ends up getting shot and and jamal is just like (laughs) all of these problems will be solved if i can figure out where the roller world money is (laughs) and so he does like this ridiculous stuff and he like kidnaps like a garden gnome that's supposedly like has a personality from this like uh from this guy and um and then he, he like he ends up like and all during this time he's like pretending to be on the football team to impress his dad and and um it's but everything that jamal does is just absolutely hysterical and i like i was watching it late at night and i would just like he would do something and i would just just cackle in my bed alone out loud like (laughs) that's the funniest thing i've ever heard in my life um so like so the on my black is a good show and it's in, in the same way as like, you know, a superstore would be and, and things like that, or even like breaking bad, you know, it tackles real issues like drugs and, and gangs and violence and um, even like, you know, high school relationships and, and, and the effects that those have on us and things like that. But the reason I recommend this show is because of Jamal and, and his intensity and his hilarity Um and just just the amount of like pure like ridiculousness that he <laughs> that he's fixated on this money 
that everyone else believes does not exist, <laughs> that he is 100% sure exists, um, is just an absolutely incredible storyline. And, and um, I, that's why I recommend this show. If, if you don't like the rest of the show, at least watch it just to find out what happens with Jamal. <laughs> Because that's it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> so um, I think that was a pre- pretty compelling case. But um, so if somebody were convinced by your argument just now, where would they watch on my blog? Um, it's a Netflix original, so you can find it on Netflix. It's, there's two seasons out right now. Um, season three is coming out. Uh, I don't remember when I said it was coming out, but there is a season three. It was renewed for season three. Um, and I don't want to spoil anything else. Um, but it's it's a good show and it'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. And, you know, I, I you can find it on Netflix. And I enjoyed it. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your recommendation. Um, I'll take a quick second to recommend. Uh, last night I saw the movie Booksmart in theaters uh starring caitlin deaver and beanie feldstein with uh some really great bit parts by will forte jason sudeikis lisa kudrow um and it's just super bad but starring girls uh that's all it is but it's still it's funny um it's not over the top feminist in any way it's just a really good comedy about two girls who spend all their time on academics and then realized that maybe they were hiding behind that, that it was not, you know, that was their excuse not to party. But then all these other people who do party are getting into the same schools and having the same level of academic achievement. And so they kind of have this, this uh, one last ride night before graduation. Uh, and it's just it was really funny. Um, so I enjoyed that a lot and, um, it's in theaters right now, but I'm sure that it'll be on streaming platforms soon enough. But if you have a free afternoon and, um, your local theater does some matinees, it's worth checking out. So this has been the infinite playlist segment. Next. And finally, we have our rotating special segment. So, everyone, bust out your ecto-coolers and dunkaroos. It's time for our segment entitled I Heart the 90s, a celebration of media from in and around our favorite bygone era. So, Josh and I spent a long time talking about what topic we wanted to discuss, and we eventually landed on the first season of Seinfeld. So, the first season of Seinfeld is only five episodes? Yeah. Five episodes. Um, the first one aired in 1989, and then it was almost an entire year before the other four aired. And then it pretty much rolled straight into season two. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when you buy the DVDs, they have a season one and two set that come together. Um, but I had never watched Seinfeld from beginning to end. I have only seen it, uh, you know, on TBS after. Uh, after friends is over or I've just, you know, watch it afternoon after school and I catch some episodes of Seinfeld before dinner time. Um, so what I really thought was interesting about season one is that I knew it was short and I knew, um, I knew that it was short and I knew that it premiered a long time ago, but what I didn't realize is that how well it just fits in with the rest of the show. 
it's just they kind of hit this stride almost immediately and then they're just it's just happening all the time um so you could put that episode in the middle of something anywhere and you wouldn't know that it was a season one episode because it's just so natural and everything feels so natural josh what are your thoughts on seinfeld season one okay um so the reason i wanted to talk about seinfeld um is well so when you think of like classic sitcom and you think of like the formula which is kind of what i was talking about earlier is you can just kind of like throw seinfeld into that formula and it's it's almost like a super basic outline of any comedy show that you've ever watched in your life you know something happens there's a ridiculous reaction to that happening and then it continues in in that way and there's some sort of resolution and um so so i like seinfeld as um i like it a lot um they obviously just tackle really like simple issues um and and the other thing i like about it is like as somebody who's an aspiring comedian you think about the like okay who's who's like the comedian who's who's like the staple of you know you think of okay who's like the baseball player babe ruth was a bit like like that's who you think of or like michael jordan as a basketball player or you know anything like that um but with comedy you think okay like who is the comedian is jerry seinfeld uh, and so like they 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 don't even like they don't really even like stray from that in any way like you see some other you know shows about um like that are obviously star like big comedians or big stars that they you know play somebody completely different than who they are like for example like everybody loves raymond mm-hmm. um you yeah, know he plays a sports writer he doesn't play a comedian um but and jerry and seinfeld jerry just is jerry seinfeld it's just it's not any different from his normal life he's like oh i got a show in minnesota and i think in, in the very first episode um and so like he's he's just playing a comedian and and that's one of the things that i love about it is um they they and his style of comedy is he took these real life situations he's like this is what happens in my life and they just put it on tv and people were like this makes sense this relates to me even though like you know he's just this he's this big comedian he's you know he's really funny guy he takes um and like really he's not any different from any other normal person except that he just takes these situations and is like why do we do it? Why, why do we know this? <laughs> this is this is incredible. So, uh, you know, there there are some certain things about season one that date it. Like, you know, there, George spends a good chunk of the series, for instance, working for George Steinbrenner and the Yankees. Uh, but at the beginning, he's in real estate. And so there's an episode, The Robbery, where Jerry gets robbed. So he decides to look at a new apartment. And so one of the funniest things about this to me is that they go to look at this new apartment and Jerry just cannot focus on like the regular normal features of an apartment. (laughs) It's on the first floor. And so there's a fireplace. And so he's like, well, they deliver wood in here. And then uh, they're like, yeah. And he goes, what do you tip a wood guy? (laughs) Just, just absolutely crazy. Just (laughs) so, so then he can't get his mind off of the tips. And so then there's like a yard too. And they say, you know, they ask him about bringing in mulch and he goes, what do you tip a mulch guy? Uh, so he just can't get his mind off of the, like, what do you tip this guy who brings yeah. this into your house? He can't think about like the regular features of an apartment. He's focused on the 
my the really really funny minutia of the apartment yeah and so that's just what really struck the show uh to me as being hilarious is that he's he's uh so focused on those those mini details instead of just what um what are the features of this apartment that i need to know is it in a safe neighborhood stuff like that and obviously like that stems from like you know what are you typical guy that comes and brings pizza to your apartment? <laughs> right. Or it's like, okay, this guy delivers me a pizza. I'm going to give him $5 for coming to my apartment. So what do I give a guy that decides to, you know, that I pay to bring wood to my apartment? Like, obviously like wood is a lot bigger than pizza. So like, obviously the stakes are a lot higher. So what do I have to tip this guy that brings wood? If I have to tip a guy who brings me a pizza, five bucks. Um, so, you know, obviously that goes along with him and just, being his like if you've and this is kind of a side note but like with comedians and cars getting coffee and you 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 know you see jerry seinfeld you know talk to these comedians and about comedy and he's just like he just has a simple like way of comedy where he's like you know we went to this place and it had really thin forks it was a thin fork place like like <laughs> like you don't really think about it but it's like okay yeah i've been to a place that has really thin forks like then okay like uh, you know obviously he's doing it to be ex- like to exaggerate but at the same time like I, yeah i understand like i understand what your thought process is yeah and, and you know it's it's all really really exceptionally normal stuff and that's why the um the moniker a show about nothing comes to be because it's just things that everyday people wonder about or deal with or and you know sometimes you know i wouldn't think to wonder about what do you tip a wood guy or what do you tip a mulch guy? But I would think to wonder about, you know, for instance, uh, in one of the other episodes, Jerry meets this girl that he really likes. Um, and he doesn't know her name, but he knows where she works. And so he has the debate of, is it weird if I go down to where she works and try to run into her? Um, and I think that on some level, most men have had that debate with themselves even if not in that exact context. Um, so what you get is just this really, it's funny because he points out something you may not have thought of, but then it seems obvious to you. Mm-hmm. So like, oh yeah, I guess I should be thinking about what I should tip the wood guy. Yeah. If I'm going to get it delivered and not chop it down myself. Yeah. Um, but it's just before that, a normal person would not think of that. And so that's why Seinfeld is so timeless is because it takes that um (laughs) just really off the wall regular normal stuff and uh exaggerates it just enough to make it funny Mm. um and the other thing with this show as well is um sorry I kind of forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I, I kind of started, I, started okay. I kind of started off and that's, I mean, that's the other type of thing about Seinfeld too, is that it'll take stuff like that and where it's like, okay, like real people think about this stuff. Like, where like, you ever just, you know, start a sentence and like lose yourself along the way. And like, that's, you know, type of humor that he had. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, there's something else I was gonna say about it. Oh, I had a really good thought. 
and I forget what it was. <laughs> what? What do we? What does that happen? <laughs> does that ever happen to you? Uh, yeah, something else I thought. I mean, really, the only thing that there are some things here and there that dates Seinfeld as an early '90s show, um, but really, all the biggest thing that dates it is just like their outfits. Um, you know, and in modern day, instead of going down to where the lady works, Jerry probably would have just stalked her on LinkedIn or mm-hmm. Facebook. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, but it's the same. So idea, there's still yeah. there's still that element of you know this isn't how it works in modern day, but it's it feels timeless because it's a lot of any it's mostly human interaction things or just like little bitty uh, things that people don't take notice of until Seinfeld points them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it would be hard to do something like this today just because in the modern era, we wouldn't go and talk to people or deal with people. We would just look them up on Facebook first. Yeah. And and the other thing too is, and this is what I was going to say is um, it, like the, along with the formula, like there's always, you know, a comic, a character that's pretty well known as the comic relief. And I, I was kind of talking about it before with, you know, on my block and, and, and same with Superstore, they have characters that are, meant to be comic relief but in in Seinfeld it's not Jerry and you know he's really the funny one like he's the comedian like that's the idea but the comic relief is very clearly Kramer <laughs> that, like that's the whole point of his character right. is that he's just supposed to be weird and he's supposed to just everything he does is supposed to make you laugh <laughs> and and like you, you know you never really you know and in Seinfeld's comedy you don't really hear about him say I have this weird neighbor that comes over and borrows my ironing board or, you know, whatever. Um, he never says anything about it, but like, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty obvious that Kramer was like based on somebody weird that, you know, either Jerry or, uh, um, you know, one of the writers knew. And, and so like his, like his humor goes along with, you know, like that side of, of, of comedy where, you know, Kramer is obviously like, a, a person like a normal person that comes in and just does weird things like things you wouldn't normally think about um, and so like while Kramer's not the comedian he's obviously he's very clearly the comic relief of the show <laughs> and then the other thing I wanted to say about this show which which is which is funny to me and I don't know if it'll be funny to anybody else but me and you weren't allowed to watch this show when we were kids <laughs> That's like, right. our parents didn't like this show and and I never really understood why, and and like like I always just thought that if that if I wasn't allowed to watch a show that it was inappropriate, um, and so like like obviously there was like, um like shows like Sex in the City that we weren't allowed to watch, and like obviously like that had sex in the name or whatever, and it, it was stuff that was like really taboo that we you know we just avoided as as kids because you know our parents were like it's a bad show don't watch it. Um, but as I've gotten older, I've just kind of been like, especially with Jerry Seinfeld, like, and, or, and like with TV now, it's like, why weren't we allowed to watch this show as a kid? <laughs> like they, I mean, sure. They talk about really adult things, but like, not in like a really adult way. Like the, the thing about Jerry Seinfeld's comedy is it's really kind of, is really pretty clean. It's really pretty wholesome. Everything about it is just like, you know, that level of taking something small that everyone knows about and relates to on a daily basis and makes it into something that's, you know, you know, there's details that you don't notice and there's things that you do notice, but you don't really notice that you notice that like, um, like the thin fork thing. And, and so like, 
I don't, I don't know. There's nothing, especially now, like, you know, Jerry Seinfeld's comedy now. And, you know, we look back and think he's just like the staple of comedy and say, like, why? Like, my, like I'm, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, my mom and dad didn't have taste or whatever, but like, you know, we weren't allowed to watch it. And that's probably why you never did was just, you know, we just, they were like, don't watch that show it's bad and and you watch it now and you're like there's nothing bad about this show it's just kind of weird like Kramer's kind of weird and I, right. George is kind of weird but. I think um you know as someone who's raised in the same house by the same parents I would have to I think it was because of the all of the um extramarital sexual relations that were happening uh but uh, you know watching it as an adult that wasn't the point of what was happening it wasn't always it wasn't about that yeah it was you know that was always as a you know as an end thing or a side thing you know a contributing story to yeah the real story which was like an apartment getting robbed or you know staking somebody out at their at their at their place so like obviously there wasn't you know it wasn't about that it wasn't that um it wasn't that kind of a show. But. Right. And, and I feel like, I feel like that rule applied to like, you know, there, there were things that we weren't allowed to watch. So that, you know, I did, when I was, as soon as I was on my own, I went on a streak of just stuff I wasn't allowed to watch when I was living at home. So, you know, I watched through friends, which mom and dad still didn't want us watching. But we um, did. Right. But it was kind of the same. I felt like it was yeah. kind of the same thing. And they, and, and I feel like maybe they watched more of that. So they knew that there were, good episodes or like mm-hmm. ones that weren't didn't have anything bad in them but so i just never got to the seinfeld portion of that yeah. um of that uh i just moved out of my parents house so now i'm gonna break all of their rules rebellion mm-hmm. um <laughs> but you know i think and i think that's valid to a point but I, i'm very much a proponent of um okay what was the point of that you know and if it's an illustration that accurately reflects the world we live in i'm okay with it so uh it doesn't bother me and really you know compared to what's on today you're absolutely right it's pretty wholesome yeah and it totally holds up too like yeah like the tipping a wood guy thing is like it's that's this aired in 1989 30 years ago but that's still funny (laughs) like like there's stuff about this show that just was like that's hilarious (laughs) Or it's like, you know, Superstore, you relate to what's going on now. Right. Seinfeld, you just always relate to what he has to talk about. Even if it's like stuff that's, you know, very clearly 90s stuff, like, do I stake out this girl? And like you said, that, that translates to now social media. But obviously, there's still the same problems and we still deal with them. We just deal with them in different ways. Yeah. And that's ultimately the best part about Seinfeld is that it, it holds up. Um, you know, there's obviously there's nitpicky things about the era, but it's not inundated with pop culture references or anything like that. Um, it's mostly a show that can stand the test of time. When you watch it in 2019, there's more stuff that you can relate to than that you can't. Yeah. Um, and you probably can't relate to their outfits or their use of landlines or their mm-hmm. <laughs> their problems with running into people. Yeah. Um, because, you know, in the 21st century, you can track them. Um <laughs> But that's probably the best part about Seinfeld is just that timeless quality. You know, Hulu pays for the rights to Seinfeld for a reason. And it's, you know, because people want to watch Seinfeld still. Um, and it's not like they're just watching it once to to relive it. They can watch it over and over again. Mm-hmm. So anything else you want to add on Seinfeld? Um, uh, 
no, we covered pretty much everything, not being allowed to watch it and <laughs> why it's still funny and why yeah. I wanted to talk about it. So, And I think the, there'll be more opportunity to cover the rest of it because um, mm-hmm. we obviously, this was mostly focused on season one. So uh, as the podcast continues, it continues to grow. It has been a little while since I've done an episode, but uh, Josh, if somebody wants to uh, follow you and get your thoughts on Seinfeld and Superstore and all these other things, uh, where can they do that? Um, they can follow me on Twitter at Josh Hogan 47 Instagram, same way. Um, I'm most of my stuff will be, I mean, I don't necessarily review shows or anything like most of your guests, but I do, you know, do my stand up. So you can follow me on my journey with that there. I'm doing a competition in June. So obviously, um, those will be things that you can kind of see and you see my parallels to Seinfeld and see what I've learned from him. And obviously like, was another big reason I wanted to talk about that show. So, mm-hmm. Well, Josh, thanks for coming on. And this has been Nick's Infinite Playlist. Uh, we do not have a Twitter account or a website totally set up yet. But in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Nikki A. Hogan, N-I-C-K-Y-A-H-O-G-A-N. And if you want to talk about something specific or hear something specific on the podcast, use the hashtag Nick's Infinite Playlist. Um, I have successfully commandeered that hashtag. Nobody else is using it. So use that hashtag and I will see it and we will get something going if that's what you want to do. So stay tuned for more episodes and thanks for coming on.